Hello, 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 and welcome back to Netflix, Coffee, and Questioning Humanity. We have made it to the penultimate episode in my multi-part series, The Evolution of America's Next Top Model. We talked all about the prime era as well as the downfall era in the last episode, which was cycles 7 through 12. It was really juicy. We had a lot of tea in that episode. And this episode will be just as juicy and it's going to be really roasty, like the most roasting. Because we have arrived at the gimmick era, cycles 13 through 19. These were certainly odd times. I guess that's a nice word I can use for it. And because it is a larger era, I'm only going to be talking about those cycles today. It's the only one we're going to hit, but I promise it's worth it. There's a lot to dissect in these eras. If you've watched them, you know. I got my drink. Let's run some sirens, talk quickly about what I'm drinking, and then get into the gimmicks. Grab your coffee. Join me. Join me. Let's do this. Friendly reminder that this is an explicit podcast, which means I may discuss explicit content while most certainly using explicit language so little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad may want to bow out. Now, on with the show. Today, I am trying the peppermint mocha frappuccino, I believe this is called. Yes, it's a peppermint mocha frappuccino. And honestly, I don't think I'm a fan of mocha, which makes no sense because I love toasted white mocha or whatever it's called from Dunkin's and Starbies. But this is really good. It's like a chocolatey candy cane of deliciousness. I still really want to try the ice sugar cookie almond milk drink and the chestnut praline latte. I've never had that. Everything else I've had. I'm also really big into cranberry this year. I want to try their cranberry bliss bar, but I don't want to pay for a bite of cranberry and sugar. And I also want to try the cranberry muffin from Dunks. But honestly, after you've had a Starbucks muffin, nothing really compares. And Starbucks doesn't have a cranberry muffin. So here I am, a rock in a hard place. Maybe I'll just make my own muffins. I don't know. But this is a big drink. We got big topics to cover. Grab your favorite caffeinated holiday beverage. Wrap some Christmas presents. Light a fire. Turn down the lights. Put up the twinkle lights. Let's make this a whole vibe, okay? Let's do it. Introducing the gimmick era, cycles 13 through 19. I'm a feminist, I'm a virgin. And stroking the hand, that's a little bit much. I'm cooking my potatoes, but I'm also having a conversation with you. We have roaches now. I don't want to be cruel to Nazwa, but a pedicure would be nice here. Can't nobody say up in here to say about the way I act. The men are feeling me. I mean, come on, now the men is always feeling Angelique. I need to go. I need to get my... I need to go home. For one, I don't like seafood. What's the oldest you'll go to? 60. What kind of man do you want? Not only are we on a 12-inch board, we're over water. And then they're like, oh, and then we're going to put you in this big-ass plastic ball. I think you need to put some gratitude in your attitude, girl. I love my mom. If I got a dollar for every time she said my mom, I'd have my $100,000 that I was going to win from this competition. My grandma made it. I love it. Oh, that is major. You know you're supposed to have that burning sensation for your Lord Jesus instead of another man. If the downfall era of last episode caused massive panic, the gimmick era caused absolute hysteria for America's Next Top Model. The tinkering and tonkering, pruning and polishing, 
turned into an absolute deconstruction in cycles 13 through 19. These cycles were desperate attempts to gain back the audience that was sliding through their fingers like fucking water. But this, of course, as we know, failed miserably. It started with a decent gimmicky idea, but also was quite funny but I'll explain that in a few moments. For cycle 13, it was the short girl's chance. Short girls being five, seven and under. The concept was awesome and it opens up the audition process to a new kind of aspiring model. They changed the modeling agency contract for the winner of this cycle from Elite to Wilhelmina because the latter is more diverse in who they work with and is open to shorter models. The gimmicky themes and modeling agency contract weren't the only changes we saw in this era. In cycle 13, Paulina Boroskova was removed as a judge and a fourth judge was not introduced again until cycle 23. In 2009, Tyra addressed this. Quote, the current state of the economy has four shows to make major budget cuts industry-wide. America's Next Top Model is not immune to these financially changing times. We've had to make significant cuts in every area of the production, and unfortunately, Paulina was a casualty of these cuts. So Paulina, everybody, was a judge on America's Next Top Model. Were you and Tyra Banks friends before that? No, definitely, I, I couldn't say friends. I mean, we were obviously aware of each other. And you guys, would you talk to over the phone? I was playing it kind of cool because I thought, oh, you know, this might be a good opportunity. And Tyra actually took me to dinner to sort of woo me. Okay, just the two of you? No, the two of us and her assistant. Okay. Yeah. And would you talk about? Uh, her. <laughs> I mean, it was cool. I was, I was, I was fascinated. She is the hardest working woman I think I've ever met. And then somewhere she doesn't in... sleep. Well, I mean, she's got an empire. Obviously, when somebody's that successful, they really do work hard to be that successful. So somewhere between talking about herself, she asked you to be a judge, and you cemented it. It was good. Then you got fired. fired How did you yeah. get fired? Over the phone the day before my birthday. Oh. Did, she, did Tyra call you her, herself? No, no, no. Or Tyra did that... not call me. I just got called by, uh, you know, producers. They didn't actually say this. I paraphrased uh -huh. this. The show needs to cut some fat. And you're the fat. And you're the fat. How you doing working with Tyra? She can be a barrel of laughs. Yes, I, I, I am sure she can uh, be. Wow! Do you know why I'm in Los Angeles, besides seeing you? Yeah, why? As, as lovely and charming as it is, because I'm looking for a job, because I was fired by America's Next Top Model no on my way. birthday. Wow, well, yes. welcome to the show. I did well. The reason I was fired, just to be fair here, the reason right. I was told I was fired was because um, it, it seemed that America's Top Model had gotten too fat and they needed to cut some fat and the fat was me. There were many things that pointed to Tyra being a diva along with Paulina's statements, like the weird and cringe behavior Tyra exhibited on the show. She magically shifted the makeovers to tieovers, which were drumroll. The same exact thing, just more Tyra-centric somehow. There was also this super smize character superhero thing that she introduced that was basically to give herself an opportunity to play dress up and promote her signature smiling with her eyes, the smize. So you have the Tyra is a diva narrative continuing to snowball and you pair that with all the gimmicks she pulled and all of her corniness and it made Tyra seem less and less genuine as the cycles went on, especially in this era. Another difference that I noticed did not last long in this era was the fact that the contestants in cycle 13 were super chill. They sort of played up Erin as the villain because she played dirty during one of the challenges, I think. But other than that, it was a very calm 
calm cycle. Even the makeovers, oh, sorry, tieovers, didn't cause a lot of drama this cycle. Or really even in cycle 14, people pretty much knew the drill about not complaining or crying, which as we know, sparked so much concern in these producers. And they really knocked the ball out of the park with the next few cycles. They could not have been more out of their fucking minds after cycle 14 in this era when it came to house drama and makeovers. It was unbelievable. Cycle 14 had the same prizes as cycle 13, including the contract with Wilhelmina, which I originally thought was only done because they accepted short models, but this lines up with something Molly Sue had said in an Oliver Twixt interview. I mentioned it in a previous episode. To refresh you, she basically said that elite models were fed up with America's Next Top Model girls and their lack of experience. Cycle 14 cleaned up a lot of the corniness and stepped up the photo shoots big time. And I think that was due in large part to the replacement of Miss J, who I love. And I really think she did a great job judging. But when Andre Leon Talley came in, you could tell his sophistication really propelled the show creatively. And if for some reason you don't know who Andre Leon Talley is, he is an American fashion journalist and former creative director and American editor at large of Vogue magazine. He was the magazine's fashion news director from 1983 to 1987, and then its creative director from 1988 to 1995. To put it in the plainest of terms, this man is a huge deal fashion. He's up there with Anna Wintour. His work in media is absolutely unmatched and his personality glistened on the show. Sidebar, he also has a really great documentary. I believe it's on Hulu. Andre brought class, humor, elegance, and was the voice of high fashion, something that I think was really needed for the show to regain its authenticity. Remember, part of the magic and the high ratings was this competition being sold as the real deal that anyone could have. But with five steps forward, ANTM took 10 steps back, like only the show could. Remember how I said cycle 13 and 14 had some pretty cool, calm contestants, just generally unproblematic in comparison to other cycles? And I teased that the contestants that followed were just the total opposite. Not only were the contestants highly boring, they were also extremely unlikable. And I'm talking about the entire era. The only one that I can think of that was even remotely likable was Anne Ward, even Angelie back from Cycle 12, a fan favorite who was done dirty, and oh yes, we will get into that. Don't you worry, we'll dive right into that deep end real soon. But I didn't like her. I didn't like Angelie. I'm sorry. I I didn't find her likable at all. I admired her story and her struggle. I have so much respect for her, but I didn't find her likable. We also had in this era, Miss Alexandria, who was one of the, if not the most least like contestant in history. Really just everyone seemed catty and cruel and vicious. This was purely reality show casting and the girls were beautiful by happenstance. Cycle 14 really didn't have a gimmick. It was typical ANTM, but when ANTM got to cycle 15 and 16, they started up with the theming again, this time with high fashion. I didn't mind the theming here. I thought with Andre Leon Talley, this made a lot of sense. And again, it felt pretty genuine. Like the shoots and the challenges weren't just for our amusement, but for real purpose. 
There were some refreshing changes in these cycles as well, like some tie-over drama, changes in the prizes, which was now a contract with IMG Models, a fashion spread in Vogue Italia, a cover and spread in Beauty in Vogue, and a $100,000 CoverGirl Cosmetics contract. All dope and all very, very suitable for the theming. These prizes, in my opinion, were really the best of the entire series. And that made this cycle a lot more interesting to me. I actually really enjoyed the high fashion cycles. I felt like it gave new life to the show. But of course, they took a really cool formula and just fucking ran with it. More like ran over it, actually. They took the idea of a theme and, um never looked back. The show took a hard left after the high fashion cycles because ratings still didn't improve and viewership consistently declined. Mr. J implied the move into more gimmicky territory was an effort to recapture the show's glory days of high ratings and cultural relevance. And with that in mind, they gave us Cycle 17 All-Stars. Of course, the combination of past contestants from different cycles was highly entertaining when they all initially came together. And personally, I loved seeing Brie again. She's one of my favorites. It was obvious they chose memorable fan favorites, not the contestants with the most modeling potential. How are you going to send someone home for not posing nude? Because that would never work in the modeling world. And then bring her back for all stars when she's still not fucking posing nude. It's contradictory and stupid, but whatever. Tie overs were still a thing in this cycle. And you'd think former contestants would understand the importance of just rolling with makeovers. But nah, much to the producer's delight. For example, there was Lisa who made the argument that they cannot cut her hair off because she's getting married soon. Like, girl, you accepted the offer to come back and be on this show. You know the assignment. They're chopping it off. Not one photo shoot in Cycle 17 was believable at all. And they now had celebrity mentors. And that was such an obvious grab for ratings. They clearly did not care about modeling anymore. It was writing lyrics to songs and designing a perfume. And it was an absolute disaster to watch for me. At this point, Andre Leon Talley was unfortunately being pushed out as a judge. And this would be his final season. Probably a positive for his career, but definitely a negative for the show. I thought there was a new judge at first, but it was just Nigel with hair. So uh, yeah, there was that. And oh, live judging, that was a thing. And it was fucking stupid. Like the rest of this cycle and this era. As I have mentioned many, many times in this evolution of America's Next Top Model series, the show started to snowball into Tyra's Next Top Model. And by cycle 17, whether it was an eruption of ego or a ploy for views, it became so uncomfortable, just so, so uncomfortable. The biggest example of this was the infamous pot leadum. Hold on, let me grab a sip of my drink. I'm, I'm gonna need a reboost to explain this. Let, let me hydrate. Okay, so, okay, so pot leadum was a song. Okay, okay. Pot leadum was a songwriting challenge for a modeling competition, okay? Yeah songwriting challenge for a modeling competition. Songwriting, modeling. Yeah. Solid plan, right? Right. So the girls really get into this and they really gave a lot of effort, including the creepy Chan queen herself, Alice and Harvard. 
Allison Harvard could be a whole podcast episode on her own, to be honest. You are on your own with that research. I'm not diving into that ever again. The Allison Harvard rabbit hole is a very strange rabbit hole to fall down. I'm not diving back into it. So Allison writes a really deep, meaningful, heartfelt song. And as if this shit wasn't dumb and gimmicky enough, the challenge, not her song. The girls then were told that they have to add Potleetum into their original song. And if you don't know, Potleetum is top model spelled backwards. What does this have to do with modeling? Well, it spells out top model backwards, duh. And you may be asking, okay, so what does any of this have to do with Tyra? Nothing at the moment. But as we learn later, she added herself in afterwards, like into the video, being goofy with a kid that went viral on YouTube. I I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it was. Why to all of that, you ask? Why would she do this? No one knows, but it was fucking strange. It was gimmicky and played up Tyra's ego, so I suppose it could be argued that that is the reason. And who knows, maybe this... This that pop leader music. It's top model backwards. You know, sometimes I hate being misunderstood, but at the end of the day, I don't care what a hater gotta say. was an attempt to drum up ratings. You can decide for yourself which math works out in your brain. For me, the worst cycle of them all, even the intro, was the absolute worst for so many reasons. This cycle was the culmination of gimmick. This was when the producers were like, fuck it, there's no modeling left to be had. There's nothing anymore. Let's just fucking go off the rails. How outrageous can we get? Is there a too far and can we push it? Spoiler alert, there is a too far. And double spoiler alert, they pushed past it. Cycle 18, the British invasion cycle. It featured 14 contestants placing seven British models who had competed in previous cycles of Britain's Next Top Model alongside seven all-new American models. So it was like Americans versus the British, blah, 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 right? Dump the tea in the harbor, whatever. Even the house was separated. And first of all, the house looked like a fucking mess. Ultra tacky. There was just so much wrong. Everything was wrong with this cycle. I may be all over the place with all of this, but my brain is just spazzing out of control. My God, remember the fucking lipsticks at judging? The fucking lip art? Oh my God. And the shirts? Okay, let me get myself back on track. If you don't know, they had these American and British flag shirts that they wore to judging and the most obnoxious lip art with their flags bedazzled onto the lips. It was just everything wrong with everything. It was so bad. Judging was a mess. It was not modeling. It made no sense. Speaking of judging, a big change made this cycle was the introduction of Judge Kelly Catrone, a fashion industry public relations maven who replaced Vogue editor André Leon Talley. 
Kelly brought a bluntness and business voice to judging. She was extremely black and white with her judgment, and I think that would have been great alongside Andre. I wish both could have existed at the same time, but alas, that isn't how it went. The rest of the judging panel remained the same, though. The prizes for this cycle included a modeling contract with LA Models and New York Model Management a guest correspondent placement with Extra, a fashion spread in Vogue Italia, and both the cover and spread of Beauty in Vogue. There was also, hold on now, hold the phone, the new prize of becoming the face of America's Next Top Model fragrance. Dream come true. Not a bad deal, right? It keeps going. Production of a record single released by CBS Records. Production of a record single. Record record single in a modeling competition. Why? Why? Like, why are you trying to be a singer? What if this girl is a great model, a fabulous model, but she can't fucking sing? Why does she need to sing? Fuck? Like, what is this? The prizes were abundant, but like not really fucking relevant for the most part. The perfume was weird and the single was weird, but I guess it sort of ups the ante for contestants. The tieovers completely fell into a bottomless pit this cycle. Like, where do I begin? The red, white, and blue hair, pink hair, the initials A-N-T-M etched in hair. Nothing was fucking relevant for modeling. It was producers throwing shit at the wall to see what stuck. And speaking of shit, that Forever 21 fashion show. Are you serious? A Forever 21 fashion show for America's Next Top Model? Really? This seemed to be a clear indication of a downward trajectory. Or maybe they were just trying to catch that younger market again. That is also very plausible. It seemed to me that it was gearing more towards a pop culture celebrity infusion, straying further away from modeling, and it was extremely uninteresting to me. In fact, I found it quite painful to watch. I'm mostly going cycle by cycle here because they're mostly just so different. Each one, they each have a theme and something fucking stupid happening within them that's very relevant. Whereas in previous eras, it was sort of the same thing happening over and over again within it. This is a big messy era. So if you're wondering why I'm diving into each cycle, that's why. It's with purpose, I promise. So I say all that to transition into cycle 19, which I dub lovingly as the change everything cycle. You know, the changing of the cast was not my calling. I got a call from above when I was at Harvard. Actually had to come out of class, ring, ring, change everything on Top Model. There are no sacred cows. What, 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 what about, uh, uh, okay. So, um, you know, everybody has a boss. Yes, I'm a boss, but I have a boss. I have to thank my boss because I do think as hard as that decision was, I do think that the show is fresh and it is new. Tyra stated in a 2012 Hollywood Reporter article, quote, I got a call from my boss who said we needed to make some serious changes. It was a phone call that left me nervous and shaking. I hung up the phone. I got pulled out of a class at Harvard, which hold on. I'm sorry. Let's fucking hold the phone right there because she brings up graduating from Harvard a lot, especially in ways that are manipulative and shady when she's trying to trick your brain and shift your bias because she's a Harvard grad, which equals smart. She didn't actually attend Harvard. What she did was a speed course through a special program offered on campus, according to several outlets. 
Banks completed a nine-week program for executives called the Owner-President Management Extension Program. And I'm not saying this to downplay anything she's done. Like, that course sounds amazing. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm really happy for Tyra that she took this course. It's not her taking it that I have the problem with. The problem was in her delivery. Tyra has a lot of shady things she's done and tried to add a layer of authenticity to said things by pulling the I'm a Harvard grad card. What, like it's hard? Implying that she is incredibly smart and therefore trustworthy, which is incredibly manipulative. But let me get back to this quote. I got pulled out of a class at Harvard to take the call and went back into the class, but I couldn't focus on the professor. I was panicking. But yesterday we had a debut party and did a screening of the first episode and every single reporter in New York City was there and they were super excited, wanting to talk about the changes. Even though I went to business school, it was my boss that gave me a big lesson about rejuvenation and making something that's been around a long time fresh and exciting again. Spoiler alert, nothing was made fresh, nor was anything rejuvenated. Every cycle in this gimmick era was the building of a bomb. 13 was the outer casing. Not the scariest part of the bomb by any means. No, 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 no. 14 was the inner explosive material with the nastiest and most unlikable cast. 15 was a stabilizing device. It wasn't good, but it certainly wasn't bad. 16 and 17 were the obnoxious fuses to ignite the bomb's main charge. And cycle 18 was the mechanism for arming the fuse or preparing it to explode. And oh boy, did cycle 19 explode. And in the ashes of Tyra male awkward backbroken poses and a horrendous ramen noodle weave, an absolute directitude cycle 19 emerged with an all new gimmicky theme. And what was that theme? College. What was it Tyra was trying to shove down our throats again? What was it, college? Correct, college, that, that was the theme. Challenge winners got $10,000 deposited into a scholarship style fund but they could only cash that in if they actually won the competition, which was cool. Like obviously money is money and that's great and that's very, very generous, but I wish it was like an automatic thing for challenge winners. Even if it was a small amount, even if it was like, oh, here's a thousand dollars or $500 automatically towards your school debt. That would have been super cool. The panel this cycle looked very updated. Everything was electronic and modern. Even the panel room looked massive. I noticed even one of the walls had a reflection of what I presume were producers, which I think was on purpose. It made it look like a massive production, kind of like a newsroom. Of course, it was a massive production, but you could really tell they were trying to force that modern, different, cool, take me seriously vibe on us to the point where it just wasn't palatable. Judge and fashion photographer Nigel Barker, runway coach Miss J. Alexander, and photo shoot creative director Jay Manuel were all dismissed from the show after the previous cycle in an attempt to revitalize the show. Do you feel blindsided by what happened? Did you see this coming, know it was coming down the line? I think more than anything, I feel a little sad. I mean, you know, in, in as much as I had an incredible time, it defined a decade for myself. And, you know, you put your heart and soul into a show like this. And obviously when it happens, it happens. But I feel that 18 seasons in, we had an incredible run. It was amazing for all of us. When I think back and I see those clips, 
it's those moments that are just, you know, I, I'm gonna, they make me laugh for the rest of my life. And I mean, the moments that people didn't even see. Absolutely. Well, there's moments. a whole show right there, yeah, there I'm sure. there is a whole show on the cutting room floor well, as well. What yeah. about for you, Miss J? Was it a blindsiding event for you? Did you know that this was going to happen? Well, I got flowers last week sent <laughs> to me by Tara at home in Paris for my birthday. Your yellow roses, yes. The orange yellow roses. Really With the news or before you got the news? Before I got the news. The word fired for me is, I think your tone is very pointed right now, AJ, with that. <laughs> All our contracts were actually already done. So that's the thing that people don't know. And, you know, the show was at a point where they had to make a change. So when you say it was a surprise, you know, you hear all the different rumors right. from sponsor issues to on down with the show. It's not a huge surprise to us. I, they just didn't do new contracts with us. So we weren't really fired yeah. for doing something wrong. Now, Miss J, are you feeling the XOXO from Miss Tyra Banks today? Or are you feeling a bit betrayed? Because you were, after all, one of the very first people that Tyra reached out to with the whole idea of doing this show. If I didn't talk to her, I would have been a bit annoyed. But we spoke on the phone, so I'm good. I'm so, so good. All of them were replaced with PR experts and Twitter personalities, including British model Rob Evans, who is known for working with fashion powerhouses like Jean-Paul Gaultier and Givenchy. He's also a boxer, and that combination ultimately made him sort of the hunky, muscly male model that I presume was an attempt for another sort of fresh perspective and also to mystify their audience. Because let's face it, beauty and sex sells. His entry on the show sparked a lot, and I mean a lot, of speculation about his relationship with Tyra. Rob Evans, I have to say, he has a following already. People are saying, oh my God, I'm coming back to Top Model because Rob is fine and hot and sexy and smart. He is so fine that it's difficult to look at him for longer than three seconds at a time. Yes, there are rumors that I am dating Rob Evans, who is my judge and my employee and I'm not but every time I say that I am not and we're just friends people go hmm 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 so I don't know what to say you say that you're dating and they go yeah you are you say that you're just friends and they go no you're dating but we're not but he's hot and sometimes I go ooh so maybe that's what people are saying they were seen out to dinner, and then, of course, the media went wild, which then sparked ratings because everyone wanted to tune in and see Tyra and Rob's chemistry. I don't believe there was anything going on aside from objective attraction, and by that I mean you can be like, wow, that person is attractive, and not be attracted to them. I know that may not make sense, but it does to me. What I think happened is Rob was brought on to be the heartthrob for teen girls to keep them tuning in and whatnot. But then the rumors about him and Tyra began to frenzy and so they capitalized on it big time. Like I said, it's not like they just wanted people to tune in for the heartthrob Rob Evans. There was also the added intrigue of the secret romance that they were hiding. And I think that this very situation is critical. I believe it added gasoline onto a crackling flame of an idea for future cycles. Hint, hint, future cycles that we will be talking about in the next episode. The second replacement judge, although I never really considered him a judge because he basically voiced the opinion of the internet, like what the people were saying, was Brian Boy. And I believe his official title was the social media correspondent. Brian Boy is and was a Filipino fashion blogger and socialite well known for his award-winning fashion blog. And news.com.au called him one of fashion 2.0's biggest superstars and a phenom in the fashion blogosphere. He was edgy and funny and a bit controversial some 15 years ago. 
He was giving commentary on fashion shows with a freshness and a genuineness that really wasn't common at the time. He's still pretty big on TikTok, talking about fashion and pop culture and unboxing an Hermes oak wood dog bed and shit like that. He's definitely entertaining, but I feel like he didn't get to showcase his personality enough on this show. I think it would have been a lot cooler if he weighed in on challenges as a stylist or something. I don't know if he actually has the credentials to do so, but I think he would have shined a lot brighter, doing something more in his element where he actually got to speak his mind, which is what he was known for, rather than being a mouthpiece for Jenna in Cleveland, Ohio, who gave her 15 second opinion on an aspiring model's pose via Apache video filmed on a fucking Envy phone from 2009. He was misused, in my opinion. Rob and Brian Boy weren't the only new faces on America's Next Top Model. Johnny Wujek also joined the crew as the new creative director of photo shoots, replacing Jay Manuel. According to IMDb, Johnny Wujek is an internationally acclaimed celebrity stylist and costume designer. His work prior to America's Next Top Model only lists costume design for Katy Perry videos dating all the way back to her You're So Gay days. He also worked on the costumes for a few of her tours and TV specials. He did some modeling and acting early in his career for a short amount of time as well. At first, I questioned if his credentials were in line with the job criteria, and I sort of compared his resume to Jay Manuel's. They are pretty different, but I would say Mr. Jay's was more impressive for the time. But I don't think his extensive, impressive career as a makeup artist would have landed him a creative director position on Cycle 19. And I don't think Johnny was necessarily qualified either. And that's not to downplay his career because it's fucking incredible, honestly. Since the show, he has taken off. He's doing costume design for the HBO show Legendary. He's worked with Shakira, Ariana Grande, and he's doing incredible. But, and however, I felt like his presence on the show was quite flat and boring. I was also confused by his direction because homie had fucking Sinead Grimes, who's an actress, who said she's been taking photos for a few years as a photographer for this cycle. And they literally showed a selfie she took as her work history. So do with that information what you will. I just thought that was strange. The prizes for this cycle were a modeling contract with LA Models and New York Model Management, the face of America's Next Top Model fragrance dream come true, a fashion spread in nine Nylon Magazine, campaigns with Nine West and Smashbox Cosmetics, and a $100,000 cash prize. Another strange and annoying change made was that eliminated girls still participated in every photo shoot. And their photos were also still available to be voted on by the public. The separate competition was documented on the Comeback series, which was untelevised and instead shown on the CW's official website. It lasted for six weeks, and the winning contestant with the highest average social media score throughout the cycle was allowed to rejoin the main competition. There was also the new incorporation of public voting as a factor in eliminations. A 1 through 10 scoring system was implemented to determine the merits of each contestant's performances at challenges and photo shoots, and the results for each week were calculated on a 50-point scale with a maximum possible score of 10 from each of the three judges. Each week, the girl with the lowest combined score was eliminated from the competition. Needless to say, this was trash. This isn't a fucking sporting event. This is modeling. Why do we need numbers and charts? Like, we don't need that. It strays even further from the far-off, distant fever dream that was once America's Next Top Model. It was quite dramatic, honestly, which is exactly what they were going for. 
Something I never understood as well was why was the audience involved? Like, at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter what my opinion is. The public opinion isn't always the best at determining what would be great in the modeling world. Tyra made that a point in almost every cycle. She would literally say, the outside world might not think you're cookie cutter pretty, but in the modeling world, we like people who look unique and different that the outside world couldn't understand. Unique ugly duckling beauties. Wah, wah, wah. This just flips that whole sentiment on its ass and again proves how far the show had strayed from its original idea on its endless quest for bigger and better. Makeovers were, of course, also changed up. The contestants had a chance to turn down the makeover, but the catch was before they knew what the makeover was. Only two girls ended up saying no. I'll be honest, this was kind of cool. It added a certain shock value. But we all knew what was going to happen to the girls that said no in the end. It wasn't going to bode well in the long run. There was also a super cringe moment that I wanted to mention during makeovers where the girl was like, I don't want short hair because I look like a lesbian. Because uh, PSA, all lesbians have short hair, don't you know? I feel like that's pretty common knowledge. I feel like they teach that in school, right? Right. She ended up breaking down because of it. Like, bro, you're straight. You don't have to worry about that. Like, you know you're not a lesbian. Like, you, like you're straight. Why do you care? I don't understand the human brain sometimes. It's so fucking stupid. Petreek, I believe the name of this human being was, uh, popped up during the tieovers, which was strange and again seemed like a ploy for ratings because this is like a YouTube personality. Why are you here? What does it bring to the actual competition? The direction seemed to lean more influencer and less model, which was probably very forward thinking in hindsight. Forward thinking in hindsight. Yeah, that makes sense, I think. Influencers are the new models as much as we hate to say it. But America America's Next Top Model might have leaped for that bandwagon before it even left the station. The winners of each cycle didn't really spark anything exciting in me personally for different reasons, but mostly because I really wasn't invested in the win. And I think that was due to the downgrade in overall show quality. Nicole Fox won cycle 13, making her the youngest winner at 18. She reminded me a lot of past winners and was quirky and weird and relatable. I think out of all the winners, she was the one who sold the fantasy the most. Krista White won cycle 14, and I believe she was arguably the most talented out of this era's winners. She took incredible photographs, but in her editing, she was never really shown to be very likable. She wasn't the quintessential bitch, don't get me wrong. She was straightforward and focused and passionate, but she wasn't really relatable. Again, that's just how she was edited. I don't know if that's for real. Her cycle was also incredibly boring, which also made people less invested in the win. And the winner of Cycle 15 was my absolute favorite. I really liked her personality, but it was no surprise she won, which kind of took the shock value out of the win, just like Jazlene's. Not that shock is necessary for the win. I don't want to say that because she deserved to win. She fucking dominated that cycle. And she was very likable, very relatable. I think humans in general like to root for the underdog. And Anne was the ultimate underdog when she started. She was being teased and called ugly. And once she started to get first photo, we were here for it. But then after too many wins, when Anne was no longer the underdog, we didn't feel the same. It's a strange trait us humans have. We want to rise people up, but if they rise too high, we feel like we need to tear them down. 
Cycle 16 winner was 19-year-old Brittany Klein, and I think she was the most unlikable winner of the entire series. Again, that's my personal opinion based off an edited show where this girl was pushed to her absolute limits, but I think a lot of people can feel me on this one. The winner of Cycle 17 All-Stars competition was Lisa Diamato from Los Angeles, California, who originally placed six on Cycle 5, making her the oldest winner at the age of 30. But there was also another winner of this cycle who was stripped of their title. More to come on that soon. We're, we're almost at controversies, don't you worry. Despite the controversy, I think Lisa was a fan favorite. And while many were mad at the situation that caused her to win, I think a lot of people were totally hyped on her. She had and has a very large fan following. The winner of Cycle 18 British Invasion was 21-year-old British model Sophie Sumner from Oxford, England. It was a shit cycle. I have no opinion. I didn't care about a single second of this cycle, but congrats to Sophie. And Cycle 19 was won by Laura James. Again, I have no opinion. I didn't give a shit about Cycle 19. Okay, we've made it to controversies. Okay. Oh, Lord, we have controversies. Some minor ones and some juicy ones, too. In Cycle 13, Amber would not be competing due to personal issues, and she was replaced by a girl named Lisa. There has been wide fan speculation as to why Amber had to leave the competition. The most popular theories include she was an actress faking her religious personality and only using the show to boost her career. Another theory is she didn't pass the psych test. Or did she lie about her height and was actually 5'8"? Or was it that when the girls got their bags checked, they found cocaine in hers and she had to be arrested? Or, or, or was she a plant hired by the Forum 4chan to do an undercover inside story for the show FunnyOrDie.com? Which one could it possibly be? Well, Amber confirmed in an Oliver Twix interview that the reason she left was because she became paranoid and started losing weight. By the time she got home, she was only 90 pounds. Cycle 16 winner Brittany Klein shared when the contestants were in Morocco, the show, quote, started punishing girls for whenever they didn't win a challenge of the day. She also said about producers, quote, since you lost and didn't indulge in Moroccan culture, we're going to make you indulge in the culture. So me and this other girl had to play butcher, literally. There was a bull's head. There was some like organs, some bones on the table. And they're like, put this into the wagon, put the meat in the fridge and then take the wagon back to where it was. It was me and this vegetarian girl. And she's like, oh my God, it took both of us to lift the bull head but that never got on the episode, unquote. While filming Cycle 18, an argument took place between Judge Kelly Catrone and contestant Louise Watts, resulting in Watts voluntarily leaving the show. Following the transmission of the episode, Catrone posted mocking videos to Watts online and came under fire from fans of the show who accused her of cyberbullying. In a 2018 Instagram post, Annalise Days revealed that a photo shoot during Cycle 18, Episode 10, where the girls were photographed on top of Macau Tower, the girls experienced, quote, hailstones and force winds at 388 meters above the ground, unquote. She also revealed that the weather was so bad that the tower was closed to the public due to the treacherous weather. That is terrifying. Someone could have fucking died. That tower is massive. It looks like it's literally in the clouds. That was, wow, beyond dangerous shoot. In Cycle 15, Anne was always the front runner and not only a fan favorite, but also a producer favorite. However, Tyra Banks was seemingly not a fan of Miss Anne. After Anne was announced as the winner, Tyra immediately left set. 
and thus Anne got no winner photo that other contestants had with Tyra. This was odd to me because Tyra was pretty vocal about how she thought Anne would be a big name in the fashion world. Some do speculate that Tyra didn't want to be outshined by Anne's beauty and talent in the photo shoot, but who knows? Who could outshine the power of the original Smize? During a Jay's chat conversation with Bianca, which if you didn't know, Jay has something called Jay's chats where he talks with former contestants about behind the scenes tea and also what they're up to now. Apparently the aired footage of the Cycle 17 finale was actually reshot footage of judging that was filmed the same day they shot a judging panel for the next cycle, Cycle 18, months apart. Also before that judging, production told Jay that they wanted Lisa to win. And Jay said, quote, there was no proper voting they just shot and edited the judging they needed, unquote. Now for some juicy tea that correlates with that last bit I just mentioned. Following the finale of Cycle 17, reports began to speculate about the disqualification of Angeli Preston. Due to the bizarre circumstances surrounding the event, including the reshooting of the final panel slash winner reveal, many people began to speculate that Preston had originally been named the winner prior to her disqualification. Popular theories that circulated on social media during the months following the finale included speculation that Angeli had broken contract by revealing her win on social media, that she was pregnant or dealing with substance abuse issues, yada, yada, yada. But in January 2013, Angeli confirmed the reports by announcing that she had indeed won the competition prior to being stripped of the title, though she did not specify why and Tyra Banks did not comment on the situation. However, in 2014, Angeli revealed that the reason she was stripped of the title was because she had been working as an escort prior to participating in America's Next Top Model. She said the producers had been made aware of this before filming Cycle 17, but decided to disqualify her only after she had already won the title. She's now filing a lawsuit or has filed a lawsuit. I don't know if it's been settled. This might be an old article, but it was for like $3 million in damages due to a breach of contract. Other allegations in the lawsuit included that the show violated fair labor practices by forcing her and other contestants to work for 16 hours a day, sometimes without a meal break, keeping the contestants in isolation for five to six hours at a time without food or water. Additionally, she alleged that she wasn't paid a legal hourly wage for her work, nor overtime wages. She also claimed that the show's staff failed to provide her with proper medical attention when she suffered a panic attack during filming. I think we can all understand why exactly I titled this the gimmick era, and we can understand why ratings absolutely plummeted. At the beginning of the era, ANTM stepped out of their comfort zone with interesting themes and concepts, and I found a few quite enjoyable, like the high fashion or the short girl cycle. But as each small step out of the comfort zone failed to bring ratings up, they began to leap out of the comfort zone, and by the time they reached cycle 19, they had an entirely different show. The gimmicks went too far and became the whole sauce that America's Next Top Model as we knew it got lost in. Everything changed from the judging to the concepts, even down to the judging system. Upgrading and modernizing is necessary to stay relevant in television. I know this. And I think most viewers understand and expect this. Oftentimes they even celebrate it. But the difference here is that the changes were not helpful and made the fantasy even more out of reach. And let's be honest, they made this show cringe and extremely hard to watch. 
That coupled with the public perception of Tyra shifting due to all the alleged diva behavior and also her production decisions on the show being very Tyra-centric made a lot of us tune out for good. The whole Tyra's a diva narrative, that was cemented for longtime fans of the old school America's Next Top Model. Instead of perfecting and modernizing their beautiful formula, they blew it to fucking shreds and attempted to make us believe that the ashes were something we actually wanted. And that is where we are going to leave part three of the evolution of America's Next Top Model. The next episode will be the finale. Yes, we have almost made it. We will start that episode off with cycle 20 and finish out the rest of the series. And if you think that the remaining four cycles will be a bore because maybe you didn't watch the cycles or, oh my God, there's only a few. No, you have no idea what you're in for. You have homework if you haven't watched these cycles. Watch them. Because the tea, the fucking tea is the absolute hottest in the final episode, which even I wasn't expecting. It wasn't until the very last cycle that I realized that this was insane. It's going to be a good finale. I'm really excited. Today, I would like to spotlight SAMHSA and their national helpline, 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. It's a free, confidential, 24-7, 365 days a year treatment referral and information service for individuals and families facing mental and or substance abuse disorders. On their website, samhsa.gov, you can find treatment and services from everything from opioid overdose, alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs, as well as recovery support options, as well as a veterans crisis line. For my international listeners, you can visit atforum.com for organizations around the globe that you can find similar resources for in your area. Be sure to check out the pod's Instagram and CQH podcast for updates on streaming news and or you can follow my personal Instagram, L-E-A-A underscore M-A-R-Z. And if you want to follow my TikTok at L-E-A-M-A-R-Z-Z. Thank you so much for hanging out with me during this roast fest. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, stay caffeinated, stay streaming, stay strong. Stay strong.